Galatians 5, working through our last uh, sermon on the fruit of the Spirit. And um, so I want to walk you back through uh, this, the thought process, why we're here, what's happening uh, in this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, uh, where the church had reverted back to trying to follow all the rules of Judaism and thought their salvation depended upon that. And Paul has just quite frankly said, hey, you own, the only thing that can save you is faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and so he's telling them to live in that freedom. And in that freedom, it doesn't mean you can just sin and do whatever you want because in salvation, you get saved. God changed your heart. You're a new creation. And he says, you're going to start bearing some different fruit. All right. Then you bear, you, you were, you were bearing before. And so he lists out the, the, the lust of the flesh, all the bad things, right? That in human nature, we want to do in verse 19, uh, and then in verse 22, which we're talking about today, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 16, he said, So I say, walk by the Spirit. Because he said you got a war within. Even after you're saved, you got the flesh wanting to do one thing, the Holy Spirit living inside you wanting to do another. And he says the answer to doing the right thing is not to try harder, but to walk by the Spirit. Just to feed the Spirit, man. Give him scripture, prayer, time fellowship with other believers, like walk by the Spirit. He says, if you're walking by the Spirit, here are the things that will come out of your life. So we've talked about a lot of these, talked about six of the nine. Uh, the first one was love. Uh, the second one was joy, peace, all great things, right? You remember? And then we got to suffering, like love, joy, peace. Suffering? But it wasn't just suffering. It was long-suffering. It was this spiritual gift to just persevere in the face of it. Like, this is patience. He says that comes from the fruit of the Spirit, kindness, goodness. This morning we're going to talk about faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There was three things I talked about at the beginning about the fruit that I want you to remember. I've mentioned it both in the last two sermons is that these things at the level that Paul is talking to them about are only possible through the Holy Spirit. Only possible through the power of the Spirit. Two, that they are gradually appearing in a believer's life. You don't um, get saved and immediately have all nine of these at their highest capacity and never step back and make a mistake. But third, they are certainly, all nine are going to appear in the life of a believer, these fruit. All right, so we talked about the first six. Uh, Let's read the scripture that we're in again just to get our hearts in the right place. Galatians 5, 22. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And here, there's no conflict with the Jewish laws. There's no rules against this. All right? We talked about the zero-point Weight Watcher list. You can eat all this you want. All the goodness and kindness and and love and joy and peace. You can have as much of that as you want. Nothing wrong with it. 
Um, so this morning, I'm going to reverse this a little bit. I'm going to say faithfulness for last, and we're first going to talk about gentleness. And really, we're going to talk about gentleness and self-control um, together. Um, and, and then we're going to jump in and spend most of our time on faithfulness because it's beautiful, okay? I think you'll agree with me that it's beautiful. Some of the words that describe uh, gentleness, which you may have a translation that translates this as meekness, um, it says this, it's gentle, it's tender, it's humble, it's mild and considerate, but strongly so. Meekness, gentle strength, which expresses power with reserve and gentleness. I want you to see that all of this fruit is also the very nature and characteristics of God. We've talked about that, right? This is, this is fruit that we bear because we are bearing the nature of Christ because we live in him and him inside of us, and this is him. So we find out that if a, a fruit of the Spirit is gentleness, that is also a trait of God. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. I want you to understand three things about gentleness. One is uh, it, it comes with an aspect of humility. Meekness or gentleness is not a sign of weakness. This does not mean that we as believers are going to become cowards and weak. It does not. When Jesus says, I am meek and lowly, it does not mean that he is so weak and that he is so lowly and somebody just needs to come take care of him. It is coming with this aspect of humility. Here's what it means. It means you know you have the power. But you have control and know when to use it at the right time. So you, you as a believer, because, I mean, the Bible says that if, when we are in Christ, we have the same resurrection power living inside of us that brought Jesus back to life. And that's the power that man will never recreate. Okay? That is power more as greater than atomic uh, explosions, okay? Because God did something we'll never figure out how to do. And that lives inside of us. So how can we be meek and weak? And, well, we're not weak. We're meek. We know we got power. <laughs> Authority he's given us. But it's knowing when and how to use it. So first is the, the humility aspect of gentleness and meekness. And the second is strength. In our meekness, we're humble, but we also have strength. And it doesn't mean that we never use the strength, it means that we use it at the right times. Strength at the right times. It says 2 Timothy 2.25, Opponents must be gently instructed 
in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. That there are times you will be up against an enemy, you will be up against an opponent, up against evil being done in your family, with your children, with, with your, in your neighborhood, in your community. And, and meekness is not just being so weak we can't control it. It is waiting and understanding and taking the, the guide of the Spirit to know the right time to do the right thing. But in our meekness, we can gently... And it's all about the attitude in which we go about it, right? This is the method in which it's being done. You can be angry about the right things at the right people at the right time, okay? And the third thing that this is about is really uh, wraps into the, the final fruit is self-control. Like, I mean, I don't know about you all. Uh, this is something I've struggled with my entire life, and uh, we all do it with different things. Maybe it's your temper. Who's temper? Can't control it. Lose it. Like, oh, my God. Who's lying? <laughs> Who's is lying? If you got a temper and you sometimes lose it, this is time to be vulnerable, be open. All right. Everybody's lost their temper at some point. We should all have our hands up. Uh, I, mine is mine is that sometimes uh, it happens occasionally, unfortunately. Uh, it, it's also food. Like I'm serious. Like I I can eat so much, and I don't understand it. Why? Like I want to eat so much. And uh, and and like not not zero point stuff. Like I'm trying to look at that list. Like, I like to eat a lot, so there's a zero-point list. I'm just going to eat a lot of that. That will maybe fulfill that need. But no, I really want, like, greasy. I want red meat. Uh, uh, and Beth still gives me a hard time when we hadn't been married very long. I said, I don't care what you make. When, if you're cooking at night, I don't care what it is as long as it has meat as some part of it. And so that's just the way I felt. I was like, I, it's not a meal if there's not meat. And I wasn't being mean. She took that as offensive, like, I'll make whatever you, whatever I want to make, and you can eat it. <laughs> Thankfully, she does not have as much of this problem as me. I mean, she's got some controls. She can say no to cinnamon rolls, like, I don't know how she does it. I can't, usually, but I've been doing better. But th there's this self-control, maybe it's food, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, uh, some type of form of other addiction, maybe it's alcohol. Maybe, maybe it's drugs, uh, maybe it's uh, sexual-related pornography, and you lose control. Paul said we're at war because there are things, what did I say at the beginning, that these things only come by the power of the Spirit, that they come gradually, but they come certainly. That th there are things in your life that you cannot control by yourself. This fruit of self-control only comes through the power of the Spirit. You won't never lose your temper again. You won't never eat a Big Mac again. But there will become a season in your life as you grow and mature in your faith 
that the things once that you felt like you had to have to be happy and fulfilled, you begin finding fulfillment somewhere else. And that only comes through the power of the Spirit. All right, let's talk about the fun one. Faithfulness. This is a picture of our house. I was, we were walking this week, and I was, uh, I was looking back, and, um, and we were taking the kids for a walk, and I looked back on this place that we've lived uh, since 2008. Where's Beth? Was it eight? 2008, so 13 years roughly, um, and I was looking back at it, and I was thinking about some of the things that were in the picture and I was thinking about this word faithfulness. Uh, see, this word faithfulness uh, is a little different than the other eight fruit that can be exhibited in kind of a, a, an immediate moment. And so I was looking at this picture, I was thinking about, you know, the, the house was built in like the 50s, so it's almost 60, 70. It's almost 70 years old. I was looking at that truck, and I was like, man, I've, I've always wanted a 10-year-old truck. And I've got one. It's a 10-year-old truck. I was looking at Beth's van. It's six years old. And if you look real close, I was looking at Bethany, and she's years old. And all my life, I've wanted new things. And it just hit me in that moment that there is so much value in proven things that we've lived in the house 13 years, somebody's lived in it decades, that when we're in there and, uh, and a storm is coming, I'm like, man, it's been here 70 years. It never fell. It never collapsed. We're going to be okay. Like I get in my truck every day. I've started it. I've had experience with it. I know so far it's started every time. And I began to think about this thing called faithfulness. And as... Paul wrote it here. He was writing about our fruit that we bear. But at the same time, it's a character trait of God. I thought about the truck, the house. I thought about Bethany. We've been married 16 years. Together, 18 years. It's like, it's proven there's a lot of value in that. And I began to think about God and faithfulness. It means to be faithful and trustworthy, to be loyal and steadfast in devotion and allegiance. 
It means to be constant, staunch, and enduring. A faithful person denies and sacrifices himself. All he is and has and trusts God. He believes God and knows that God will work all things out for good. Faith does not doubt God. It does not begin when, and then back off and give up. It, it does not walk with God and then completely just go somewhere else. I want us to understand some things about faith this morning because it's foundational. First, I want us to see the example of faith and faithfulness. Psalm 89.1, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever with my mouth. I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. Lamentations 3 says, I remember my affliction and my wondering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope because of the great The Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions or his mercies never fail. They are made new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Our house is still there, but it had a roof leak once. Right? I mean, it's it's been pretty faithful. It had termites when we got it. And they had taken all the main support beams underneath and done something with them. (laughs) See, these things I was looking at in the pictures, they're faithful, but they're not without flaw. They're, They're not perfect. But you can rest assured that we have an example of faithfulness without flaw, without faltering, without giving in, without, without leaking, without doing the wrong thing, without, he's not going to mess up one day and let something happen in your life that was never supposed to happen and has ruined you. Like he, he is completely, his faithfulness is great. And in him we have an example of faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. So let's start there. That's the example. The second thing is if we're going to be faithful, what's the source of that? If we're going to have faith, and this word is P-I-S-T-I-S, pistis maybe in the Greek. It's, It's the root word for faith. Faithfulness is just the over time faith being lived out. And so we've we find the source of faith. And here, here's something, maybe if you take notes, I'd write this down. Uh, I want to read this for you. Uh, you don't have to write all that down. Sorry, that was confusing. I want you to write what I'm saying right now down. Faith is beyond belief. Faith is beyond belief. This Greek word, uh, It means to persuade or be persuaded. Properly, it means persuasion to come to trust. That's faith. Faith is always a gift from God and never something that can be produced by people. In short, faith for the believer is God's divine 
persuasion and therefore distinct from human belief or confidence. And so what, what, I, what we have, we've got to understand is maybe I've used those words interchangeably in my life as like, oh, I believe that Jesus was, uh, I believe he walked, and I believe he taught, and I believe he, he, he died, and I believe he was crucified, and, and I believe he was resurrected. And, and there's some, like this human belief or confidence that, yeah, those things are real. But when you become a believer, there's, a, there's an instant that happens that there's this gift from God that it takes believing to the next level. Like, I don't know how to explain it. All I can say is I can't do it. You can't do it. You can't on your own have this supernatural, spiritual, because you know what? This is interesting about this fruit. It's a fruit of the Spirit, but it's also a gift of the Spirit. If you go look at, all right? So, and we find out that not every believer is going to have the same level of faith. And, and some of you are going to be like, man, I believe everything God's going to do. I don't care. I'm going. And I'm either crazy or I've got that gift. I don't know. Because I'm just at a point that I believe God for what he says. And if he's moving in a way between people and circumstances and I can see and feel what God's doing and we step forward and like he, because we've been doing it for six years at a church and like every time there's something to stand on, there's a, there, all of a sudden like the foundation is there, the, fi the finances are there, the people are there. I mean, we're stepping out. Uh, starting gyms and doing this crazy stuff. And uh, Friday night, we, uh, uh, we were at the market and did a worship night, and a, a med student comes up and says, hey, I know Taekwondo. I'd love to do some ministry. Like, what? <laughs> and there's people coming. Like God brings his people together. And when he's doing things, and you're, just, you're stepping out having faith. But this cannot, you can't do it on your own. The, this is a gift. That God gives. He stirs up. Like he changes your mind in a way deeper than you can ever just intellectually consider and weigh the options and choose. The faith that saves is deeper than that. It goes along with it, but it's deeper than that. Let me read a few verses around that point. Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith, where does it come from? Where is the source? Faith comes from hearing the word. Hearing the message, the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the translation, you know. By hearing this truth, God speaks into the hearts of broken men and women. The only way they get saved, the only way they find faith, you can't get faith any other way. It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and the truth about Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Well, why would Paul have to tell us that? Uh, so we could remember, here's the important part for us that are believers, that we have nothing in this world to boast about. Like nothing. I, I didn't say that. Paul said it. He says, it's this, this way, uh, it's not a result of works, so that no one can boast. You can't, this, the, I mean, you said, well, I believed, and I have faith, and I stepped out. Paul says, your faith came from God, and he was the instigator of it. And the very root of the word said, he persuaded you and brought you to him.
The Bible also teaches that when we hear the word of God, we do have a personal responsibility to respond to it. To say, what are we going to do with it? I've heard the truth. I've heard the word of God. The debate can be there, and it is there over centuries of theological debate. Can you resist the will of God? I think the Bible is incredibly clear that, that God gives faith and he saves people. I think the Bible is incredibly clear that we have a responsibility to respond and give our life to him and turn away from sin and put our trust in him. I believe both can be true. And so what, I, what I'm going to challenge you to do today is because I know those things are true. God can be, he can be, you're hearing the word right now, not by me, but by him and through what's in this book. Do you have the responsibility to say, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to accept it? Am I going to believe it? Not just in my head, but man, am I going to give him my life and trust him with everything? Romans 12, 3 says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Here's the kind of the reflection point around all this. Faith is only given to the redeemed. It is not a virtue that can be worked up by human Effort. All right, let's move on. I want to finish this out. So you have the example of faith, the source of faith, and then the life of faith. You know, our partner nonprofit at New Beginnings is called Faith Life Ministries in that we do a lot of things. Faith Life Market is one of those, coffee shop, uh, the, the boxing gym, battle line boxing gym is one of those. I promise that's not going to be all. God is just getting started in what he's doing. Um, but there's this life of faith. 1 Corinthians 4 says, This then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Verse 2 says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust, those who have been saved, must prove faithful. There's this call to the believers, to the church, to be faithful. To be, to be faithful, well, what did faithful mean? It, it, it meant uh, to be trustworthy, to be loyal, to be steadfast in devotion, allegiance. It means to be constant, staunch, and enduring. A faithful person denies and sacrifices himself for all he is, and he trusts God. Uh, Ephesians 2.10, which is the anchor verse of our faith life ministries, uh, it says, For we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus, to do good things that he prepared in advance for us to do. For me, that is living out our faith. That is this idea that faithfulness is not, you can't capture it all in a picture. You've got to have a video. Okay, you've got to see a season of time over your life and see God being faithful to you and you being faithful to him. But he... Every believer has created good things for you to do. Some of it's some of you to be a teacher. Some of it's to be a a, a, a leader, a community leader. Some of it's to be a, a business uh, person. Some of it is to be a carpenter, a plumber, an electrician. But God has created. You're not just going out and wandering around like He created good things for you to do. That blows my mind and gives every believer purpose with Faith Life Ministries. What we want to do is like take the lid off that. 
you got an entire body of believers and church and faith community in Pikeville. And some of them are apathetic. Some of them are just going to church Sunday to Sunday. Some of them have forgot God's got purpose greater than just going to church on Sunday. And what if we can inspire and equip every believer to like pursue what God has for them to go do it without reservation, full of faith, believing he is faithful. I want to close with this uh, one story about faith um, from Mark chapter 4 um, and verse 35. Y'all know the story. Uh, Jesus is with his disciples, and they've been teaching all day and doing things all day, and he is, um, has come to the evening, and, and he looks at his disciples, and he says, let's go over to the other side. And so the disciples and Jesus get in the boat, right? Y'all know the story, and then they get out on the water, and a storm comes. And they're in this boat, and, and, and they're like panicking, right? Because Jesus, what did he do? He went to sleep. But I thought Jesus was faithful. See, that's what you do in your life. Like you feel like Jesus went to sleep in some situation in your life, and you start panicking because he's not very present and doing exactly what you want him to do when, he, when you want him to do it. And he's just at complete peace and, and no anxiety. He's just taking a nap. Because he knows you're going to be okay. He already knows tomorrow. Because what Jesus said to them at the beginning, get in the boat and go to the other side. Like he's God and he's always truthful and faithful. If he said that, the boat is going to hit the other side of the water, I promise. And yet a storm came and they started doubting and they run and wake him up. And they say, are you going to let us die, basically? What are you doing? And he stands up. He gets up and... Uh, he rebuked the wind. He said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down. It was completely calm, like in an instant. He spoke this word, and everything changed. And he said to his disciples some simple words. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no Greek word, P-I-S-T-I-S? Do you still have no faith? Do you still not believe? In other words, these two things don't go together. Fear and faith don't go together. But here, here's what I want you to see. Is that David could say, great is thy faithfulness about God because he had tested him. He had walked with him. And some of you are saying, I don't know if God's faithful or not. I mean, you, you said he is. David said he is. But I don't know. There's only one way to know. The disciples would have ever known because God doesn't teach uh, to the test. He wasn't, he wasn't testing the disciples in this boat. So they would, he would find out, will they have faith or will they not? This is what I will do. I will get in the boat and then I will have a storm come and I will see are they faithful? He's all-knowing. He knows what they're going to do. He's not testing you in your life to see if you will be faithful. He's not giving you the bad medical report. He's not letting you lose your job. He's not letting your family be in a mess to see if you're going to be faithful to him. Listen, he has more. He's got good things prepared for you, and you can't do them without faith. 
And you know what? You can't do them without more faith than you've got right now. And there's only one way. He teaches through the test. Because here's what the disciples learned when they got to the other side. God didn't learn that they were faithful. They learned that Jesus was faithful. In that instant, in those moments throughout your life as you trust him. But you've got to get in the boat, right? Like you've got to let God have a chance to be faithful. That means you have to trust him. And I can promise he will not break your trust. By verse 41, they had reached the other side and they asked each other, have you found yourself in this place? Who is this? I mean, I thought I trusted God. I thought I believed Jesus, but he just did this in my life. Are those moments in your life like, God, he just showed up in such a way. Is this really, I can't believe. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? I'm going to play a, a video for invitation here uh, by one of uh, Bethany and I, uh, kind of our friends. Um, uh, the guy singing and wrote this song. His name is Brian Lindsay. Uh, he is uh, married to Ashley Hall. Some of you may remember Ashley um, from this area. They lived in um, Tennessee for some time. He was a pastor there, and they just left their pastorship and are in full-time missions now. Uh, Bethany and I attended their church one time several years ago. Here's, here's the Brian's role in my life. God brings people into your life in certain times and seasons for reasons, okay? So, so Brian is the guy, you've probably heard me tell the story, that we were at Rosie's kindergarten graduation with her best friend Bailey, who is Brian and Ashley's niece. And, you know, I can't go through all the details. He was there. I was there. Our church had been, I don't know, we were a year, two years old maybe. Maybe just a year. Maybe not even a year. And I, he, I knew he was pastoring, and I was like, man, we, these people are going to church on Sunday morning. I was like, I'm preaching every Sunday morning. I'm not the pastor. I don't know what they're going to do. And, uh, and, and he said, I said, I'm not a great preacher. Like, I'm, it's just not, I don't think I'm the one supposed to be doing this. And, and like, just a mature believer, like, speaking life into me is like, People can find great preaching anywhere. And he said, do you have a vision? And I was like, oh, God, it's all I got. Like, I got so many visions of what God is going to do and doing. And he said, that is what the local church is hungry for. And he just looked at me and said, you're the pastor. And, like, that was one of those moments I was like, okay, I, I just heard that, God. Then Bethany and I were at their church, and like at the end of, we, and we were down there for another reason, and we went to the church on Sunday morning at the end of the service. Uh, he said, hey, we got Jared and Bethany here. They pastor a church up in Pikeville. We're going to pray over them. Like the entire church at the end of church just prayed over us, and like never felt the spirit like that before in my life, before that moment. That was just another, like, all right, God another step, another affirmation, a confirmation for where you're headed and what we're doing. And, um, and so he, he wrote this song. This song was recorded in the, in the Amazon. And uh, it's, it's called You Go With Me. 
And I just want you to hear it because I've been listening to it over and over. And I'm like, I think they'll love this too. And it lines up with what we're saying about God's faithfulness. And so you know a little bit of the story about Brian uh, and their heart. And they're in Ecuador right now serving. So pray for He's got uh, him and his wife and their little boy. Uh, they're all three in Ecuador. So pray for them. Uh, they pray for us. We message them when uh, we want to quit. Yes, that happens sometimes. We're not going to, but there are days. And they pray for us, and we pray for them. And so uh, the chorus is, I'm not going to worry anymore. Some of you need to sing that. Some of you need to feel it. And so let's just go. You want to go with me to the Amazon for a minute? Thank you. 